an invitation for Advent. Come before the Lord in a posture of humility. He delights in you. Let's delight in him. Whether you open your hands as a sign of obedience, close your eyes to focus your mind, or kneel to center your heart, draw close to him as he draws close to you. James 4.8 Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Let's give all of ourselves to the King of Kings. Luke 2, 22 through 38. And when the time came for the purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the land, a pair of turtle doves or two pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and his name was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people Israel. Simeon and Anna are two of the few who, at their very first look at Jesus, a month old in Mary's arms, knew no angels visited these ones. It was the Holy Spirit with joy and delight who whispered to their hearts, This is he. The consolation of Israel, the Lord's Messiah, the hope of the world, he had come. Like many before them, Anna and Simeon had waited all their lives to see the hope of the Messiah. And God wanted to share this moment with them, his friends. We know that Anna and Simeon were friends of God because they had spent so much time before his face, worshiping him, that they knew him on sight. What a contrast with many of the Pharisees, who obstinately knew every, everything about God and his law, yet looked, on, looked at him in his face and hated him. When I think of Simeon and Anna, I think of their love for God. I think of their hours spent hearing the scriptures the time spent in worship, the friendship that they had each built with God. It is one of my greatest desires to know him anywhere, like they and other friends of God did. Whether he is a pillar of flame or smoke, a burning bush, an uninvited guest, an uninvited dinner guest, a wrestler, a quiet voice, a stranger on the road, or a month-old infant, 
I want to know him. This is how I imagine they greeted him that day in the temple. Simeon and Anna stroke, stroking fingers down the petal soft cheek of God made flesh, whispering, Shalom, I would know you anywhere. May our love be the same. Psalm 139. O Lord, you have seen, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed and chill, you are there. I'll take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea. Even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall overcome me and the light about me is night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day. For darkness is as light with you. For you form my inner parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance form for in your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me when as yet there was more of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sun, some of them. If I could count, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Do I not hate those, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Take a deep breath and get into a comfortable position. Listen to his response and let your heart settle. Lord, is my love for you deep enough that I recognize you when I'm perhaps not used to seeing you? 
Do I recognize your hand at work? Draw me deeper into friendship with you. Help me know you more so that my hope can be assured in you. You say, seek my face. May my response always be, I'm seeking you. Amen. I told you the hardest part is always lighting the candle when the reading. Thank you, John and Renee. And uh, as we um, continue on with the, the theme of Advent, um, today's is love. Love. <clears throat> love is one of those um, words that it's, it's a four-letter word, <clears throat> and it's a good word, but it's broad. I mean, if you start looking in the Bible, it's all over the place. In fact, I'm not going to get into it because I don't know it that well, but the Greek and the Hebrew, there's up to five and even seven different types of love. And again, we can see that. We have love that we have between a husband and wife is a a love. Um, Certainly for our grandkids, there's another type of love. God's love for us, the love that we have for each other. So love encompasses a lot, and it goes through a lot of different uh, areas in our life. And we can love on multiple levels as people. But one of the things that I wanted to focus on this morning with love is that love has a cost. Love has a cost. Love is sacrificial. It, it takes something from you to love someone else, right? Uh, many of you grandparents are going to get this uh, tomorrow, and parents as well. It's going to cost you something for Christmas, right? I know the PJ was going through the credit card, and she noticed all the, the gifts, including her own, in there when she was looking at that as well, right? It, it costs something to give something and to give love, right? That's just the normal part of it. Well, so even in a broader sense, even beyond the gifts, it costs us to love each other, and it costs God a great deal to love us. And so we're going to go look at a a very familiar verse, but one I want you to look at through a different lens this morning. Look through the the lens of sacrifice, right? And so John 3.16, and uh, I would dare say uh, in a crowd, if I asked most of you, I put you on the spot, most of you could quote this pretty quickly, right? And if you're of a certain age, you could probably quote it in the King James. That's, I always have to struggle when I do another version because you... That's the one that we grew up as kids learning it, right? That was uh, kind of the, the standard of the day. But verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten Son, that whoever believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So God loved you so much that he sent his Son, right? That cost a great deal just in the fact of him sending, Right? It costs Jesus a great deal. You, if you think about it, you know, we celebrate Christmas, but sometimes we get so far away from the true meaning, but sometimes we don't look beyond it that Christmas is just the beginning of what's yet to come, that sacrifice which is to come later on, right? Most pastors know Christmas is just a, a, just a little foreshadowing of Easter. Easter's not that far away. Uh, the two big holidays that we don't miss as pastors, we're here on those two holidays by and large. But there's a sacrifice, right? And that sacrifice went on not only from Jesus coming here, but Jesus leaving his position in heaven to come here, right? He's in heaven. If you think about that for a minute, to leave there came at great cost. The comfort, the knowing, the being close 
to the Father and to leave and to come here and be constrained by our human bodies, right? By flesh. He came here as flesh and he came as a baby, right? The most powerful person in the world came as a baby who is the most helpless, right? Babies need a lot of help. They are they're constant care, right? They will not survive if they do not have help. They need subsidence. They need to be taken care of. And so for Jesus to do that and to put himself in that situation came in a great sacrifice. And you may say, well, why did he do that? The scripture says it very clearly because he loved you, right? He loved me. He loved you. He loved all of us. He loved people that didn't even love him. He even loved his enemies. Right? That's a great love. That's a, a love that's hard for us to even get our minds around and certainly would be much harder even to put into practice. But God loved you so much that he was willing to do that. And if I only learn verse 16, that's a great beginning, then that's a great start. But verse 17 goes on, and it actually strengthens it a little bit more, and it goes a little bit deeper. It says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, which he certainly could have, and he had every right to, but he didn't. He sent his Son to, not to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Right? Again, back to that sacrifice. It was out of love that he sent his Son for us sacrifice, right? We needed a Savior. We needed someone to make that perfect sacrifice for our sins. We could not do it on our own, right? We are destined to hell without Jesus. And so God sent that way, that means for our salvation because he loved us, right? His plan was always to love us and to save us. Verse 18, it says, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have in the name of God's one and only Son. It cost a great deal, right? That is great love. So that's a fact. That's the basis for our salvation, that's the reason we're celebrating, right? God's great love for us, and, and, and that's the, the reason for our being here today, right? As believers, we come on Sunday to worship, right? Out of that love that we have for Christ, because he first loved us. And knowing all those things is comforting. But what about our part in it? What do we do with that, Right? How do we respond with that in mind? What do, we, what do we do with that? Well, we in turn are to love others, right? To love others with that same principle in mind of sacrifice. And I can tell you there comes, it comes out of sacrifice to love. And how to do that is a challenge, I've said this often, love is an action word, right? I can say it, but if there are no actions behind it, it just hits the floor. It's meaningless, right? It's easy to, to say those four words, I love you, but if there's nothing behind it, no action, no continual 
pouring into, it doesn't mean much. In fact, love is one of those things you have to keep making deposits on on a regular basis. Right? If you're in any type of relationship, you have to continually do that. And we need help with that. So what does that mean? What does that look like? How do I love someone else? How do I love those people that God puts in front of me? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which I still think is one of the, the best definitions, and um, it's one of those passages that we use often, and almost every wedding has it in there somewhere, and if it's not in the wedding, it's usually in the premarital counseling we go through that, or if it's in crisis counseling, we go through it. But in context, Paul writes this to a church that was struggling to love each other, and it was meant and intended for brothers and sisters in Christ. It's intended for the church. It's our relationships here, within this body, within this group of people here, and we're to love one another. It certainly works in the marriage relationship as well, but it also works with our relationship in the church, and it provides unity, and it shows the love that we have from Christ. Right? And again, because he loved us, we have the tools, the capability to love others. And so what does that look like? Verse 4 says, love is patient. Right? Being patient with someone comes at a cost, Right? you're like anything like me, and maybe you're not, maybe you're, you're better than that, but I like things when I want them now. I don't want to wait. I'm very impatient at times. My driving sometimes shows that. It comes to forefront, right? If someone cuts me off and, or um, they're going slower than the speed limit, especially if they're out in left lane, I have a struggle with patience, right? But is that very loving? Right? Now, I talk about driving, but what about in our day-to-day relationships? What about within our church? Do we have patience with one another? Right? I mean, you had some patience this morning, right? We, it took a little while for the kids to come out, right? But we certainly, we love them, and, and we understand them. We, we, it took a while for them to, to get down, and I, I saw the, the worship team was kind of struggling, like, do we begin, or how far do we go? They were, you know, they were hung up a little bit, right? Because it took a few minutes. We had to have some patience. I watched Tony work with the, and some of the teachers with practicing. Believe me, that took a lot of patience as well, right? But it also, patience takes a sacrifice, right? We have to give up something. We have to put our needs aside for the sake of someone else. And so in that, there is sacrifice and patience. Love is kind, right? Being kind takes work right? Being kind has to manifest itself into something, right? Being kind to someone else has to be shown. Again, it's just like love. I can say it, but if it's not put with action, it means nothing. And again, how to be kind to someone varies because each of us have different needs and different ways of being that being communicated to. But it's part of being loving, right? Is being kind, kind and courteous. I remember that in school growing up. We were taught that often, right, to, to keep peace. But being kind to one another costs us something. Right? We have to be thinking of the other person rather than ourselves. 
see where this is going, right? So love does not envy, love does not boast, love is not proud, right? That's all wrapped around humility, right? Being humble, thinking someone is better than yourself, right? Again, another one of those struggle words, right? Being humble. We all want to take pride in things that we accomplish or things that we do, and we have to be careful because that clouds our vision. And really, if we think about it, pride quite often means that we step on somebody else, right? We tend to push ourselves up on the back of somebody else. Or at the very least, we take credit for something that God's done and we haven't. And again, that's not love. That's not communicating love. That's not showing love when we do those things. And again, I could do a whole message on pride and where that leads, and many believe it's the root of all sin. It starts with that rebellion. But it's within all of us. But that's not communicating love. And so again, we have to sacrifice something. We have to sacrifice ourselves, put that to death, and be humble. It says love is not dishonest or to not dishonest, it does not dishonor others. There we go. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. Right? Oof. Anger. Man. That one comes up often, right? We get angered at, at people for things that they do or they have different views or they cheer for the wrong football team. When you name it, there's all sorts of things we can get angry about, right? Maybe we're even anger at our, angry at our own team because they're not producing very well, right? But even in our relationships within the family, we get angry, with, right? We get disappointed. We get discouraged. People don't respond the way we think they should, Right? Again, love is not self-seeking. I'm not doing something to get something. And if I don't get my way, then I become anger, angry. So again, once again, we have to sacrifice something. We have to put something down in order to love. Again, never losing sight, right? The, the great sacrifice has already been made. And I purposely read that verse, John 3.16, first, right? God loved us. He sacrificed first in order that we may be able to sacrifice for the sake of others. So don't forget that as well. This last one, I, I, I try really hard to, to not have it in my Bible. If I can blot something out or scratch something out, I, I, I would love to, to notch this one out because it says love keeps no records of wrongs. There's this amazing thing that happens when you're in conflict with someone. I always say, you become the best lawyer in the world, or at least the one that has the long my memory charges of the best case, right? You start grabbing things from back. It's amazing how my memory works when I'm in conflict, right? And, and I, I need to make an argument, and usually it's a weak argument, and so I'll start going back in history. I'll go all the way back to the beginning if I need to, to hopefully make something stick, right? That's that keeping records of wrong. Again, if I've forgiven for that offense, it's no longer there. I can't use that again, and I shouldn't be using that. That's not loving, right? Choosing not to keep that record. And I jokingly said I take that one out, but I, I, I need to really actually highlight it because I need to be reminded of that, that keeping records of wrong. In fact, when doing marriage counseling, I quite often say it, the, the words never and always are usually not true. 
right? He always does this. She never does this for me. Those aren't true statements, usually. It's an exaggeration. And keeping a record of wrong is the same way. And so we need to put those away and, and not use those. It also trips up into a few other areas, right? That self-seeking, anger. See how these all tie together. Verse 6. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. Right? Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices in truth. One of the things I do love about Pointway is we put a strong emphasis on truth and the, the truth of God's word. In fact, you heard in the Advent reading, there was a lot of scripture read, and I, I appreciate that fact that, that many of you take God's word and you study it and you, you meditate on it or marinate on it, depending on if you're a regular here. But you, you value God's word, right? That's the truth. It's not my opinion. It, that's really irrelevant, my opinion on things. But what does God's word say on it? That's the truth, right? That truth comes at a cost. Right? Again, there's a sacrifice even in that, in God's word, right? Following God's word means that we have to sometimes sacrifice the temporary good for the longer truth. In order to live, to live in God's word and to live in God's way. And so there's a sacrifice even with that. Lastly, it says, love always protects, love always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. Love never fails. Can I say this morning that out of all the Advent readings, this is kind of one of the more important ones. If we look at it, if you look at love, as the basis for Christmas and for the basis of our salvation, for the basis for why we're even here, love would be the key. Certainly hope and peace and joy are certainly part of that, but love is essential for that, right? That love that God gave us in his son and the love that we have and should be having for each other and putting that into practice. So much so that in verse 13 it says, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And so I want to encourage you this morning, again, a, a brief message because I know a lot of you here for the kids, and, but I, don't, I want to encourage you that you not lose sight of the love of God for us. And with that love, the love that we should have for each other, especially during this time. Bow with me, please. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you first and foremost for the gift of your Son who came to sacrifice on our behalf. Lord, we thank you for that, and Lord, we thank you that we serve a risen God. Lord, I pray that if there is one here this morning that does not know you as Lord and Savior, that they not miss the opportunity. Lord, that sacrifice came at great cost for each and every one of us because you loved us. And Lord, there may be some here this morning that are struggling to love that certain person. 
Lord, soften our hearts. Help us to look back through our own actions, Lord, and quicken us to repentance. Amen.